Welcome to the We Are From Dust podcast, episode seven. This is Burning Man. My name is Yomi Ayeni. I am the chief instigator at We Are From Dust. We are an art nonprofit organization dedicated to the proliferation of large scale participatory and interactive arts in public places and spaces. Today, I'm in conversation with the journalist Brian Doherty, cacophonist and author of This Is Burning Man, a most insightful account that charts the origins as well as the trials and tribulations of that thing in the desert from the early days. Brian, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Yomi. I appreciate it. Your book chronicles some of the most daring years at the event, which define how people like me, I found it when I was a journalist working for the BBC, how we've heard about Burning Man. Now, in your own words, what was Burning Man when you first attended in 95? One thing I like people to uh, remember about those early days is that the, and it's relevant to how I discovered it, is that the front-facing promotion of the event was designed in a way that felt very deliberate to me to almost discourage the vast majority of people who might come across the promotional stuff from actually going. And it indeed succeeded in discouraging me. I, I was first aware and knew people who were going and, and could have been ready to go in 1994, the year I first moved out to the West Coast. But the, the sort of propaganda such as it was, while, while it might have, have appealed to a certain type of person, was definitely designed to make a person like me, a sort of desk-bound computer reader guy, not a highly skilled builder, carpenter, electrician, or any of that, not a survivalist. The propaganda was kind of designed to let people like me feel like you will die doing this. This is the most dangerous, terrifying thing you could possibly do. It's a, it's a wasteland. The, the winds are going to destroy you. You're going to get lost and stuck in the mud and run out of water and die. Like they made it sound really intense and scary. Like they only wanted to capture an audience to whom that sort of intense scariness was appealing. Um, and it was an interesting thing. And uh, so I, I missed the first year of Burning Man that I could have gone to. And, and in 95, finally, I, I was still scared. But, you know, I had a, the, a woman who I liked who invited me to go and I wanted to go. And I went and, um, and it was not, you know, it wasn't as bad as the propaganda made it sound. So it was interestingly designed to me in a way to, to, to make it feel like a kind of secret daring initiation for a limited crew of people. And I think that mentality has, has sort of drawn through the history of the event and sort of bookended some sociological controversies over things like growth and is the event too big and is the event changed too much because the type of people there are not necessarily my kind of crew and all that. And because I did start going as early in 95 and was funneled through the Cacophony Society who, who felt a certain sense of ownership over that early desert experience because they were key to helping take it out from Baker Beach to the desert. There, there is a certain snobbery about it that I have had to overcome, and I'm glad I overcame it because I do want anyone, you know, either anyone who missed the 90s or anyone who's maybe never been at all and is wondering and I'm presuming we are going to live in a world where there will be a Burning Man again, though, of course, there will not be one this year, but we're going to presume there will be one again. If you're wondering, like, oh, did I miss it? it uh, is it not great or not cool anymore? Like, absolutely not. And in fact, we'll probably spin this idea out a little as we go on. In, in, in so many respects, the experience of being at the event, especially if you know, you're not the one maybe having to deal with the fire marshals or having to deal with the cops or being a camp lead. You know, the one thing that has changed a lot is it's a lot more bureaucratically locked down. Yeah. And that's unfortunate to some degree, though it's probably, I mean, it's definitely necessary for the event to still actually continue in its current format as a thing that's held on federal land in the United States of America, where there are sheriffs and there are police and like... It, the event has done what it had to do to still survive. But the experience of being there, whether first time or second time or third time, is actually a lot more interesting because yeah. there's a lot more happening. More Indeed. people means more art, means more interactions, means more experiences. And uh, that's what you're there for. You're there for art and interaction and experiences. So 
the growth and change has been great. And uh, you see it through the eyes. I, I think there's something you need to remember. If you are a jaded old timer or you're someone who's ever talked to a jaded old timer, just remember like they've done it a lot. Like they've done it anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20 to 25 times. And it's going to feel different to them. Like the, the, the explosive life changingness of it, that's certainly very hard to sustain if you try to have your life explode and change 25 times in a row. That's a, that's a very tricky thing to do. And the, the machinery of the event or anything in life is probably not equipped to blow your head open and change your life 25 times in a row. But like all the, all the technologies of Burning Man, the social technologies, the artistic technologies, uh, the magic of it for blowing minds and changing lives is, is just as good or possibly better than it ever was in the old days. I will stop rambling here and let you <laughs> ring me in. No, with a, I, was, I, was about, I, was, I was about to say, I was about to say the early press, right, was, was I, I, I'd say it, it was misguided. I mean, you were a cacophonist. So it, it was obviously aimed at you more to deter other people, or maybe they were using it to tease you in. As in other words, you will, yeah, you will see this and you will know you need to go. And uh, would, you say, would you say time has actually been kind to the general ethos of the gathering? Yes. Um, you know, obviously everyone has, you know, you thrust yourself into a situation with whether it were 4,000 people the first year I went or 80,000 people, which was 95, or 80,000 people now. And, and you, you wend a little path through life and you meet who you meet and you see what you see and your experience is unique. You know, it, it's funny when people think about Burning Man related FOMO, you need to remember like, well, if you don't go to Burning Man, you miss 100% of Burning Man. But if you go to Burning Man, you only miss 99.5% of Burning Man. <laughs> you know, it's like you're, you can't, you can't have the whole experience. So that's all a preface to saying like, you can have a bad time at Burning Man. You can, you can meet assholes at Burning Man. You can, you can not see anything that's going to impress or inspire you. I guess that's possible. Like, I don't want to deny the experience of anyone who said, well, I went to Burning Man in 2015 or 2019 and it wasn't great. Or even I went in 96 and then I went again in 2012 and it wasn't great. It's like, well, maybe you didn't have a great time, but to break down what it seems to be there to do, it's, it's there to take you to a visual and physical environment that is probably going to be unique and unusual for you. This, this vast yeah. desert playa, this, this nearly, you know, the people in the 90s used to talk about being kind of like the internet just this like a physical analog of the internet just this blank space that is just filled with human imagination and and that's what made things in, in the early to mid 90s as simple as this camp brought six couches <laughs> could be mind-blowing that like there wasn't an aspect of like the thing that shouldn't be in the middle of a vast desert playa is there and that itself felt kind of magical and if, if i did have to admit that there's some element of it that's gone like that element is gone there's no longer that much sheer amazement of the thing in the desert that that actually used to feel very impressive then like there's so many things in the desert now that that merely a th it being a thing doesn't count i mean every like back road back road little camp on l street has six couches now whereas like yep. it seriously it was mind-blowing in 1994 95 to see six couches um, so, I, I, you know, I, you're, you're there for that, and, and that's still there. Well, I, I can remember I, my, my first year, I saw a lady lying naked in a roll-top bath filled with ice uh, and bottles of champagne. And that, that took me to another place. That just blew my mind totally, because I thought, it's cold, you know, but no, it's hot. No, uh, she's naked, it's ice. Oh, oh there's champagne. Uh, and the, the, the thing is, uh, I've been talking to quite a few people about the, that initial experience and um, people kind of liken it, like people like Daniel Pinchbeck and, and then, you know, this, this whole amazing thing that changes lives. And sometimes people equate that or, or, or to a certain degree say it's very similar to, to, to a rites of passage. Well, most, most rites of passages only take place once in a person's lifetime. You know, you have that brain-breaking experience right. and you t do, it, it's etched in your heart and your mind and it changes your whole thing as you move on. This has gone on over time. Yeah, it really has succeeded in becoming, you know, in becoming the ritual 
that it was imagined to be like and again this touches on the issue of oh has it changed has it degenerated like in my mind 98 is the cusp year that i sort of used to say well it became the thing it is in 98 it came that back to the black first, Rock yeah. the city had a shape right you 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 discovered modern burning man at the start and so yeah you might you might be a good mindset to agree or disagree with this like to me it's like it's just been that but bigger and more and the art is more elaborate and the resources that people are ready to bring to bear onto it are, are excessive i mean i don't know this for a fact but i i would guess that it's likely that any given one particularly large art project from 2019 probably used up more financial resources and human labor resources than like everything that was there in 1998 that yep. that seems likely to me True. they're just not that many resources and and you know people people get a little sort of uh uh class warfare about it and and some people who are not millionaires or billionaires might feel a little weird about the millionaire billionaire presence but the money flowing through does create an experience for the average attendee that's more interesting and more, you know, and I, I don't want to compare art to art and money doesn't make art better, but there, there are aspects in which the amount of materials or the size or the scope or the amount of flammable gases you're burning, like it, it does cost resources to use. And, and e even if the one percenters are, you know, locking themselves behind a wall of RVs, and they're not welcoming me into their camp or any of that other annoying crap that a lot of them do. Um, to the extent that they're bringing more resources out to creating the experience that you want, I'm I'm okay with them. And I, I think in a sense, it hasn't ruined Burning Man so much as, as made it a little more interesting in some ways. Of course, another, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of conflicting thoughts about all this. Now that Burning Man is a sold out show, which it didn't used to be until somewhere in that, 2012 2014 era is when it became yep. a sold out show uh literally everyone who's there if you wanted to look at it this way is keeping out someone else right i mean they're not True. deliberately doing so but there's a limited number of spaces so like if someone you hate is there <laughs> you know, it's like or someone who you have some sociological problem with you can actually go and someone i like isn't there because of you so the sold out show creates these sort of social tensions that are are probably hard to defeat. So I, I get why people get weird about it, but I mean that know, was that was a little bit evident. That, that was a little bit evident to the year that they actually did the lottery. And from what I gather, a lot of people who a lot of the people who actually bring the party to the playa didn't get tickets. The, the theme camps and and the, the creators who who bring that marvel. And that that's kind of changed a lot of things. From that year on, as you rightly pointed out, it became you know, in, an important part of, of my, my, my annual life to, to, to make sure I had that ticket to actually attend. Um, there wasn't FOMO where we didn't have FOMO. I guess that was the beginning of FOMO. You know? Right, yeah, because in the past, if you, if you had the whatever, two to 300 for the ticket and could get yourself to Nevada, you could get in. You could buy a ticket at the door up until then. But no longer. But no longer. And, so, I mean, you, you, you mentioned in, in, in your book... Um, that the effects of believing in community creates a rather happy and safe sort of space. And that is more or less what I, I gather. And we're going to get on to talking about the, the impact of art, which is what We Are From Dust is all about. But do you, do you think that this, this whole thing of believing in the people around you to take care of you and, and to bring that joy and happiness and, uh, and the gay abandon and the fantastical aspect to the table, do you think that still applies today? And how, how would you say that element in itself, which we are always told to take to the outside, to take home with us. Do you think it's survived outside the playa? It, that, that's a, I'm going to give a really nuanced, you know, on the one hand, on the other hand, answer to that. Um, because I definitely know uh, this is something I've been hearing probably only in the past four years. Sometimes people in the community or attendees or whatever you want to call it will feel the need to say out loud some variation of, you know, just because someone is a burner or you meet someone at Burning Man doesn't mean they're okay or doesn't mean they're cool. Like, they're, they're definitely – I don't know how warranted it is. Like, I, I don't know how many sort of bad actors or unpleasant assholes there actually are at Burning Man. I honestly still mostly am lucky enough to hardly ever run into it. But 
I, I feel in others a sense of the loss of that idea that, well, we are a particular kind of chosen elite type of person by the very measure that we knew about this and we got ourselves here and we did the things and we built the things. Uh, that definitely has, has been lost a, a bit as to whether it's right that it's been lost, like whether your chances when there are 4,000 people there of running into an annoying or obnoxious or useless or predatory jerk is higher now. I mean, I guess it almost stands to reason that it would be 80,000 people are probably going to have more bad actors than, than 4,000, but True. I, uh, what I want to say this. So, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I kind of, I, I wanted to have an overall message of, <laughs> of like better or and different in ways that are better, but you, you have, you oppressed me on, on a point where, where different and bigger is probably not better, that it actually probably is easier to have a negative experience with people. And, you know, there is crime and there is rape and there are bad things that happen. I, again, have personally been lucky enough to not have me or my immediate circles impacted by that. Uh, so it can make you blind to it, but it's real. It's, um, uh, it's out there. So, yeah, um, let me try to sum this up. Yes, it, 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 is hard, it is harder almost by nature to maintain a sense of familial community over 80,000 people for sure. That said, my experiences, my personal experiences have, have never gotten really negative. I mostly meet people who have tried to provide something meaningful to the people around them, whether it be a snack or a piece of art or an experience or a show or a gag or a little one minute interaction that's amusing or startling like that still seems to dominate to me in the experience I've had, you know, some yeah. people may have had worse burning man to me. So no, yeah, that's, no. I mean, after, after reading, this is burning man. I, I kind of, I re I felt like starting this interview by, by actually saying you're one of the most foremost historians of the event of the event. Cause it, it gave a colossal amount of depth. I mean, I got to know people like Larry Harvey very, very well uh, over time, but there was some insight there that I, I, I just, was way past me and i guess a lot of the people who experienced it at the time probably f didn't think it was relevant <laughs> and i've been done i mean okay what was 1996 like 1996 was the year that they decided the model of near pure chaos wasn't working anymore and it wasn't working because people got hurt. Like there definitely was a, a very bacchanalia, classic tribal, like this is our ritual of discord and, and ritual of letting the normal rules go. Like just all, anything and everything might end up being set on fire. People were still driving and that caused actual serious injury uh, to other human beings. Um, there, you know, there was no, uh, you know, if you've been there from 98 on, the city had a grid and yeah. everyone camped within a set grid. That was not the case in 96. People just kind of got out to the area and pitched their tent wherever they wanted and drove their car wherever they wanted. There were no roads. There was no grid. So that was exhilarating. It, super exhilarating. That's an experience human beings seek. And that version of the experience is, is more controlled now. And, uh, and it had to be. And I, I, I kind of, you know, at, at age, in my 50s, I probably don't need that 1996 feeling again. But in my 20s, I was really glad to have had it. And I guess if, if that's someone's idea of what they want out of a Burning Man is the near pure, nearly violent chaos, then yeah, it doesn't really provide much of that anymore. That's true. But it, it couldn't go on the way it was you know you mentioned larry there's there's a funny thing i'm pretty sure this is in my book um i haven't read reread it that recently larry himself who, who, who's sort of through line as i have figured it out is the uh the shepherding of the experience like he did and made the decisions he had to make including the decisions for things like there's a grid now and we're banning driving and all that um, in order to allow some version of that experience to survive. And a lot of people from the early days were, were not comfortable with that. They, they were not comfortable with, with 
rules and bureaucracy and the level of negotiation with cops and all that. And so they drifted away and that's fine. That's, that, that's fine if they did not want the current version of experience. But what I was getting to is Larry himself would sort of gently uh, sort of mock a little bit like the early desert experience. Uh, like, oh, what was so great about Burning Man from 90 to 94? I was like, oh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Like, you could you could get someone to drag you behind their truck on a tarp, you know, just just sort of like pointing out that the, the level of amazingness of the experience when it was just 1,000 or 2,000 people mm. without a ton of resources to build huge art, without a ton of resources to move huge art. It was, it was just kind of a, a camping trip in a weird place for a circle of immediate friends. And that's cool. Yeah. Like everyone loves having fun camping trips with their immediate circle of friends and acquaintances, but it became something a lot bigger than that. And something in Larry's mind and in my mind, a lot more interesting and mind blowing than that. The man burns and then kind of everything starts burning. Like the vast majority of the art was burned. You know, tents could get burned. The, the bulletin board could get burned. Like just, a lot of fun chaos that felt and it was mostly safe but it was not entirely safe like i do want to remind again like someone got driven over in their tent because the driving was unrestricted and that like that's not good no one wants that i i do not know or believe that anyone got harmed by the fire aspect of it i don't think that's the case that year um but yeah it was it had the anarcho chaos thing that has attached itself to the event's reputation which was apt. And I'd say even now, Burning Man is more anarchic and chaotic than, you know, it's funny, in 2020, it's probably not more anarchic and chaotic than a lot of city streets because of the the protest situation we're sure. in here in America. But uh, prior to 2020, it was more anarchic and chaotic than most American cities. And, and that's that's something people want they do like rituals of discord it's it's been key to human civilization forever it's less of a ritual of discord than it used to be and if you're like a hardcore i want real anarchic discord like you go yeah current burning man and it's fake anarchic discord and there's something to that opinion i would say it's more it's an artistically crafted anarchic discord and and certainly the sociology like the way you're able to behave like the way you feel comfortable in interacting with people, whether it be in a jokey way or an outrageous way or a sexy way, like you're, you feel safer doing that at Burning Man because you understand that if you're here, you're probably down with that. You like you wouldn't, you know, talking about bringing the spirit of Burning Man home. I mean, the reason why you wouldn't necessarily walk up to someone on the street in in a normal city and you know try to start some jokey routine with them or or do a little show for them like. You don't do that because people aren't ready for it and they don't want it and you're just going to make them uncomfortable. <laughs> They're going to feel weird about it. But like at Burning Man, you get that most people are ready for it. Like they're, they're down with that or they should be down with that. Or, or you're going to, you know, our, our mutual friends, uh, you know, the porn clowns, sometimes they're like, well, we're going to make you down with it. Like you might not think you're ready, you're ready for this, but you know, get ready. Cause you're a Burning Man, man. Here it comes. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I don't know how to sum that up in a sentence. But, uh. <laughs> so, I mean, in the early days, uh, it seems as if nudity um, became somewhat of an art form in itself on the playa, as in the first stage of people just being feeling liberated. And, and it was, to a certain degree, celebrated. And uh, how, how would you say that's fair over time? Again, this is this is my own experience, and and someone else might go, no, you're you're crazy. There's new people all over the place, but uh, proportionally, and maybe even in whole numbers, I feel like from '95 to '98, I was seeing more naked people than I feel I tend to see from 2015 to 2019. Um, I think they're probably, and someone else might go, no, you're crazy. I see naked people everywhere. Um, I don't anymore. And, you know, there's a body painting thing and there was like a mudding up your body. You know, you get the playa wet and it becomes a thing you can put on yourself as yep. a decoration that looks very tribal and earthy and weird. I'm not seeing much of that anymore. I don't know if it's just my luck no, of the draw. No, it's um, gone. It, even, even the water truck's gone. Right, right. Yeah. So it may be, that's another thing, you know, you're, 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 you're pressing me to point out 
the bad parts of growth. And, and oh, you're right. Like, I, I love the water. Sense... The water truck was great. <laughs> I loved the water truck. Oh, the water truck was great. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is like, I, I, I kind of have this meta vision that like Burning Man's spirit has survived the growth very well. But again, you're, you're pointing out an element of it that has not survived. And I, it probably just has to do with the level of comfort, again, that you can feel with like, it's four or 5,000 people of this tribe who have all made this trek to this weird, scary, out of the way, dangerous place. And you feel more comfortable there. And you know, it's also, this is very obvious, but it didn't occur to me till halfway through that rant. It's the internet and it's cell phone photography. And it's like, in, in the 90s, you could be reasonably confident that what you were doing out there was not necessarily going to be memorialized for the entire world to see forever. And nowadays, we live in a world, Burning Man or anywhere, where there's a high opportunity and or risk that yeah, everything you do is recorded and broadcast and it's everywhere. And that's certainly going to make people feel less comfortable with the public nudity. And that's okay. Well, that, is, that, is, that is true. I, I, I agree with you totally. And, and I mean, it, for some people, it is a form, a form of art. And uh, it was more or less a segue into, into a passage that you actually had, uh, that you have rather, in, uh, in the original, but also the 10th anniversary edition of This is Burning Man, where you talk about uh, desert site works, which were the, probably the very first form of art on the playa that were located around hot springs. Did you, did you experience any of those? I was never actually at Desert Site Works. The stuff in the book is, is knowledge I learned from talking to people who did. That, now, Desert Site Works had totally the vibe of a very cloistered elite. You know, it was a certain set of people, most of whom were friends or associates or worked in the same community. I, I, I never got the vibe that probably more than 200 people ever saw, you know, Desert Site Works. I could be wrong about that, but that's the impression I got. So, yeah, that there is something to small groups of friends, comrades, and artistic associates. There's something to it. It's a great thing. You can't mix that with 80,000 people, but you also can't mix that with, you know, the, the whole mission of we are from dust. Like things that are like that are not going to have a huge impact on the world. And, you know, if, if I weren't writing a book about Burning Man uh, at that time, like hardly anyone would, I mean, I, this may be ego. I don't know if this is true, but I feel like probably the most commonplace anyone would learn desert site works even existed would be from reading my book. Mm. And I was only writing about it because of its link to burning man. So like little things like that have a harder time impacting the world. You, you can't have a private ish party and have the vibe of it impact the world. So if, if you actually do believe that the burning man experience has something of greater value to the world, you kind of have to approve of it growing to 80,000 and you might even have to approve of like, let's try to even beat the 80,000, you know, the BLM imposes that on us now, but uh, like more, you know, more, the, the, the more people who experience this, the better. And I mostly believe that's true, though this conversation had brought up some points that are not great about a crowd of 80,000 versus a crowd of 4,000, but mostly it's been better for the world that this event has gotten to grow and it's been better for the world that this event has attracted more super rich people and it's been better for the world that it's just inspired you know a hundred thousand people from all over the world instead of just this you know clique of a thousand people from the bay area to make giant experiential art on a scale that only the black rock desert allows mm. and to let people experience it like you it needed it had to grow and that was other thing about Larry, you mentioned Larry. This was another funny thing. I'm pretty sure it's in my book. Um, I got completely, you know, accurate contemporaneous reports from as early as 1990 because this guy, Steve Mobia, actually, like, made audio diaries, like, at the time. Like, when he, when he left Burning Man, he would, like, talk about what happened at Burning Man in a tape, and he let me listen to the tapes. And as early as 1990, again, when at best it was – your friends could drag you around on a truck behind their truck. Larry saw how big it would get, that it should get that big and that it would get that big. And that, that is genuine visionariness. I don't, I don't want to, you know, build onto a cult of Larry or whatever. I, I did actually love the guy. He was not just an interview subject for me. He was, he was a man I, I liked a lot and had great affection for. Um, 
I don't want to make him into a cult leader, but like that was some genuinely, genuinely visionary shit to look at what Burning Man was in 1990, which was not much and, and see that it would, would grow to as big as it grew. Like that was a weird little skill he had and, and his seeing it and his belief in it is what made it happen because 96 could have been the year that it all ended. Like if everyone involved had been like, well, this earlier model has gotten too dangerous. It's gotten too weird. It's attracted too much attention from authorities. We can't do this anymore. Larry was willing to say, no, let's rethink how we can do it and preserve what's actually the core to it. And the core to it isn't that anyone can fucking drive around the desert at high speeds without roads. And the core isn't, isn't that, oh, we can spread our tents out all over the place. And the core of it isn't we can set anything on fire we want. You know, the core is gather weird visionary liminal place with people with presumed fellowship entertain educate inspire each other with gifts of art and experience and that was the key and that has managed to stay alive and you guys are 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 right to want to bring it even outside the black rock playa though i also am a real partisan for the black rock playa i i think it is it is wrong to underestimate the magic of that place like i think the 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 hodge to get there the visual unique i mean i guess some people live in places like that but most people don't so for most people it's like wow this is an interesting curious weird unusual i am in a different place this is not like where i come from and that's super important um, absolutely big hearts is synonymous with the event at this well it's and i'm glad it is otherwise we would i guess we probably wouldn't be having this conversation and and that in itself we believe becomes a pillar of community you know getting together around a piece of i mean you've re- you wrote getting around a piece of human art you know to make it do something that affects people in various ways forges community now in itself was that i, t- I take it that really wasn't one of the the, the core objectives of of the event was it no that that grew yeah because you know thinking about having this conversation with you today i actually tried to think like oh could i even like make a list of the art from 95 and 96 like and i couldn't so much some of the experience i do remember the most one was a performance a musical performance uh thing one was things like you know thing the vegematic the sort of mobile wheeled uh fire spitting grinder just kind of rolling around like cocktail making stationary, right the stationary giant thing that's going to sort of become a center of a crowd like i don't want to say there was none of it but i do want to say like it's hard for me right now to remember it like that wasn't what you felt it was about um i would say by by the late 90s that seemed more obvious and then over the course of the 21st century as we alluded to earlier, the level of inventiveness and technology and resources and people dedicating to it got bigger and bigger. You, you did not see things like you would see in 2017 to 2019 out there in the 90s. It's just the, the, the viral idea of we come here to build big, crazy, mind-blowing art kind of had to grow after a while. And it kind of became the new thing that accreted around the event after the we're just gathering in total free anarchic chaos part like when that wasn't true anymore there needed to be another reason for it and and larry was very good at envisioning like the reasons for it like i believe he's quoted as this in in my book as well like he, he even admits like it was in 97 uh in 98 when he first started stressing the idea that this is a community like he was like that and it was a little bit PR-y, like they needed to sort of sell themselves to, to government officials more than they needed to sell themselves like this is a legitimate thing. Do not be afraid of this. It's this not just a bunch of Satan worshiping people setting shit on fire. Like this is a thing. It's art and it's community. And, and it was. And it became more that over over time going by. And, you know, it, it's funny. I, I try to I cannot explain to you and maybe you guys running. We are from dust have tried harder like i don't know why it works i don't know why a large piece of art that someone can either gather with or interact with and be amazed by and i I think the element that you often not always but often if you're gathered around the art you will have a chance to interact with the people who conceived it or made it um 
which yeah. is not something that's going to happen in a normal art museum. And, and that's kind of magic too. Um, it, it's magic both if you're the kind of person who wants to think, could I do something like this? I'm like, oh, here's a person and they, they don't have forearms or the muscles of Thor or whatever. Like it's a human being like me and they did this or they helped do this. And like, and you can talk to them about how it happened. And, and, you know, if you ever want to be the person who makes the thing, Burning Man provided with a unique, op unique opportunity to learn how to do it. Yet also in an anonymous way too, because Burning Man art is mostly not, it's not like marked like in a museum. Like there, there's not the ego of marking. It's just, here's this thing. Well, and it's often like way out. Like you uh, had to trek to, you I mean, know, it's, it's, it's participatory. It's, it's participatory as a start, you know, and it's a gift also. It's a gift because you, it is there. You, okay, you've paid your tickets to actually access it, you know, to get into the space. But it is there for you not just to, to watch, but you can engage. And very often, the, the art that arrives in the, on the desert and is built is totally different from the art that goes home afterwards. Okay, sometimes it's burnt, I agree. But it, I kind of feel it's that gift in itself that is, is it, it's a rather liberating thing. And that's one of the things we're trying to, to export or to expand in, in the real world. I mean, do you think that, that scales? Yeah, um, yeah, it, it is mind-blowing in, in a typical American Western culture to see something that doesn't have an obvious pecuniary market nexus and you know i'm a I'm, I'm a libertarian i'm a i'm a big lover of markets in general but i do recognize and understand that it, it it's inspiring in a different way to be like oh well i didn't this is not a financial transaction like you just did this you spent goodness knows how much money and goodness knows how many man hours of you and your friends to just allow me and these other strangers to have an experience of joy and beauty like wow that's that's super impressive that doesn't happen a lot. It does. It does make you feel like the world can be interesting and different and better in in a fabulous way. And I, I do. Again, I'm going to be the BlackRock booster here. I do feel that that maybe feels even more magical out near the trash fence or whatever than it does if you saw it, you know, in a civic space in, you know town square whatever i i i'm hesitating through this because I, I don't even I'm, I'm thinking out loud and i don't even know i'm right but no, you know no, this no. is weird actually like re recently I, I saw the big rig jig right the big rig jig yeah. and the amazing in, in Vegas. like these bent right I, I saw it in its current habitat and um and it you know in some ways it's grander because obviously at burning man you do expect to see a weird big thing like you're there for that so in a way it's probably even better when you suddenly see it in the yard of an abandoned motor court hotel that's kind of more interesting in a way uh, yet also in a in a way it feels yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm. No, I, I'm no, now no, talking myself out of where I started this no, rant. No, you're, you're, it you're, probably you're, actually is even more interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we we kind of believe that the deserts, the playa, is kind of almost like holy land. And what we're trying to export or introduce into the weird, wider world is an opportunity to find new destinations that will have a similar sort of effect or impact on people more or less give them pride of purpose and pride of place so that it attracts people to these places and they embrace them and endorse them and and more or less make them their own the the city center thing it's been done and i guess the we are from dust ethos in itself is is to go beyond that and create new experiences um, across the board that's great I, I i like that thinking and that makes the most sense i mean i guess one thing and i'm sure you're cognizant of this is you you just want to make sure you don't have the like i'm buying a ticket to go through a gate thing part you know oh, even yes. though weirdly burning man you are burning man you are buying a ticket going through a gate but uh as i think you understand like the effect of this stuff outside the play is going to be a lot better if you're not doing that indeed i mean we fortunately we we've been extremely um fortunate and and lucky that uh, we've, we've been privately uh, funded by, by supporters who have generously given us money to do what we're doing. And uh, our, our basic idea is one, uh, it should be freely accessible to people within reason. In other words, 
don't go wreck it. Don't go breaking someone's gate just to see the piece when they say it's closes. It, the site closes at nine o'clock at night. You know, and don't wreck. And don't wreck the art. Uh, but everything we do is meant to be open to the public whenever it is supposed to be accessible. Uh, and at the same time, we we don't charge a single coin for that experience because I don't really believe we can break people's brains if we want them to have the sort of connection that we envisage by buying a ticket you know and that is that is that is our i guess it it boils down to what i said earlier it is that gift you know to give people gift people a, a really amazing experience that is different and can sometimes be liberating and that i think is what we're trying to port from the desert yeah, I mean, generosity blows people's minds and it makes their heart sore. And like the level, I mean, if you're standing in front of any given big or small bit of public art at Burning Man and you actually do stop and think about what it took people to to have this here in front of you, like it's mind blowing, like the level of, and I, I actually, you know, as I get older, like I become more cognizant of that, like all the crazy things that, you know, your friends do in the Burning Man world that when I was in my twenties and thirties and even forties, I would always be excited to be a part of it and help. And a lot of times now I look at things and just think, God damn, that's a lot of work. <laughs> like, I'm not, I can't help you with this. <laughs> I can't, you know, and, and, and now of course it's mostly strangers. So that's not even an issue, but yeah, it's like, if you're not blown away by human generosity at Burning Man, you're not thinking very hard about what's going on because Absolutely. people, are given till it hurts for you to to have some joy out there for sure i mean it's it's basically almost as you say seeing the possibility of oneself impacting positively positively on those around you and to be able to do that through art as in an inanimate object sitting in the middle of nowhere having that sort of brain breaking you know eureka sort of moment by just staring at this thing and pondering what sort of brain came up with this is, is a leveling sort of insightful uh, experience to have. It's life-changing. Yeah, I actually also love, I'm amused sometimes at the level which Burning Man has raised people's expectations that you'll hear people around a piece who expect it to be like even more ridiculously <laughs> incredible than it is. Like I frequently had people wonder about any given piece. Does it move? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it doesn't move, but it's fine. It doesn't have to move. Goddamn, you know what it would take for this thing to. Move. I mean, there's, there's, there's a great. Now. I actually, in a way, I like that they have that expectation that high. I mean, there was a, there's a great piece out there last year called Individuation, um, made by um, an artist called Ewan McLeod, and it looks like a Henry Moore um, sculpture. It's made of stainless steel. It looks like you've got two people hugging. And it's based on the Carl Jung sort of idea of philosophy, philosophy one of these philosophical sort of, um, sort of uh, thoughts. Now, the key thing here is you stand in front of this stainless steel thing and it gives you a reflection of yourself. It shows you who you are framed by the world around you. And that is the opportunity for you to actually look at yourself and go into yourself and work out whether you're happy, whether you're sad, whether this is where you're meant to be, whether this is, I mean, it, it poses a million and one different questions, but all you really have to do is stand in front of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. I do love, there's an aspect of Burning Man art. I love a lot where there is, I don't want to say didactic, but like there's a lot of them are just like visual or shapey or, or gorgeous, but a lot of them also do have almost an idea structure around them that can be inspiring in a way that I think a lot of like gallery world art is, is, is less rooted in humane and human concerns mm. in a way it's too academic or, or conceptual or whatever in, in a way that doesn't feel humane and Burning Man art often feels very humane. Like it does have something to tell you that's worth hearing. And, and as we were just alluding to the very fact that is there tells you something inspiring about human generosity and human connection that's absolutely. Absolutely. great to experience. Absolutely. I've got a couple more questions. Uh, one is, in relation to art, old art at Burning Man, a new art at Burning Man, which side, which side of the fence do you sit on? 
I, I, I'm on the side of the new art, which is very difficult to say because, you know, I, I formed a circle of friends and comrades around sort of 95 to 2010 era art. And some of the people are very important and precious to me and I would hate to, to diss them or their effort, but it's just, the, the game has been upped. And I also don't want to imply that like more technical skill or more money or more manpower means the art is better but it, it can be amazing in a different way. Though I do want to speak a word. The guy who's been my kind of artistic mentor out there and the guy who I've worked with the most in the 21st century is uh, Charlie Smith, who is, who is stuck to the model that he's comfortable with, which is metal sculptures yep. that burn wood. Yep. And there's very little that burns wood anymore. So I, I, do, I do want to cheer for the magic of burning wood not over, you know, flammable gas effects, but like as, as, as something that should be kept alive along with all the amazing wonders of flammable gas effects. And of course, LED and light technology has advanced so darn much over the 21st century that just the, the visual flair of it is it like would not have been possible in a technological sense uh, in, in the late 90s or early 21st century. So that's, that's been new and that's been amazing. Sort of the horizon of the mutant vehicle expression like would literally not have been possible for the most part 10 or 15 years ago so it, it's 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 more it's more skilled it's more expensive it's more mind-blowing for sure again without without dissing those who worked you know everyone out there works with what they have and what they have Indeed. access to you know and and it just was not a world of people the sort of San Francisco sculptural art scene in the late nineties didn't have that much money and no. didn't have that much manpower. I mean, my whole role in Burning Man, like everything that sort of locked me into it really all flows from in 1998, you know, it, it, these are things that probably can't happen too much anymore. Maybe they can a level that I don't understand, but anyway, like a good friend of mine was running transpo for the event and it was all a very loose, not super professional thing. So he just threw me on the back of a truck because this other guy needed someone to spell him on a drive. So I'm there early and I'm there when this sculptural artist named Dan Dossman uh, uh -huh. pulls up in his truck <laughs> and being just a guy with legs and arms that work, who was willing to like help you take shit off the back of your truck. Like that was enough to get me an honored, important space in this guy's crew. And I just became his guy for years thereafter. And that sort of led to everyone else's guy I became in terms of art crewing. And um, I feel like Burning Man has attracted such a large world of like highly skilled electricians, carpenters, builders, blah, blah, that just being like a dude is willing to help you unload the truck. Probably not important anymore. Because, <laughs> you know, you know there, there's... Everyone had, you know, it's like if you're getting there, you probably already have your crew to help you unload the truck, right? You don't need to be shouting at a stranger. But that shouting at a stranger to unload the truck, like, impacted my life in unimaginable ways. That book would not exist without it. So Whoa. that was some magic of the smaller. I mean, there is, and maybe there, it can still happen. There is still, a skill, there is still a skill exchange. I mean, that, I, I kind of feel it's, it's one of the best places on the planet to to for for that that talent exchange that skill exchange because more often than not artists who as you say jump off the back of a truck well i'll help you do this i hope you do that someone turns around and says can you weld you say no uh okay well i'm going to teach you how to weld and maybe a couple of years later yeah, that yeah. person has got their own piece right right yes yes you know yeah I, I i shouldn't boldly say that that doesn't happen too much anymore but i sort of get the vibe that like the bigger things come out there, like they've got it all locked down already. Like you're, you're not coming out there without enough people <laughs> to <laughs> unload your truck, you know, more, it's more professional in its amateurism absolutely. than it felt like in the nineties. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the fi final question, what would you say is, is, is the, 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 well, what hope should we have for, for big art outside the playa? I am not, as familiar as you guys probably are in in negotiating it but i feel like burning man because of its growth and because of its publicity has like it is a very understood thing in our culture now like most people have a sense it may be right or it may be wrong of what it means so i think that there's probably going to be lots of people 
with money and space, whether they be civic spaces or gallery spaces or just collector spaces where people understand what this is about and what it can do. So I, I think the success of Burning Man in the Desert and its size and its growth is going to have along with it the promise that there's going to be that many people times five, like the people who don't get to go there every year, who never got to go because it's a sold-out show now, who want to, who understand what it's about and want to feel it and want to create that experience elsewhere. So I, I, I should hope, you know, barring the total economic collapse we may see in the next two years because yeah. of the events of this year, that there will be the space and the resources for people to understand, like, yeah, this – this stuff is special and it generates special experiences and it may not be the same as, as, as in the playa, but like it's going to have its value and it's worth promoting and pursuing. Does it have a role? Would you, can it have a specific role? Like what, the, what does it do for the world for it to exist? It, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'd alluded earlier to how difficult it is to define this. All I can say is like, if you've been out there, you know, this, I know this 80,000 people know this. There is something unique to the experience of gathering around a large, beautiful, interactive piece of freely given artistic generosity. It's Ooh. good for your soul. It's not, you know, I'm not promising that, oh, it's a hundred percent life changer. Like everyone who sees it is going to go on to do something good for someone else or good for the culture or make more art. Like, who knows? That, that almost certainly isn't true. But I think it's going to do it for someone. It's going to allow people to meet. <laughs> it's good for the soul. It's got to go on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, that, that sounds very vague. Like I said, it, it, it is hard to articulate if you haven't seen it and haven't lived through the after effects of it and aren't like 15 years later having a phone talk or a meeting or, or gathering with someone who, who you love deeply because you gathered at a piece of art or you gathered to make a piece of art like it just it, it makes human connections that can be deep and lasting and enriching it just makes life better no question brian thank you thank you you have been listening to the we are from dust podcast a link to find out more about brian doherty's book this is burning man is available on our website www.wearefromdust.org we Are From Dust is a non-profit organisation. You can support our mission to bring the transformative power of interactive art to public spaces by making an online donation. We Are From Dust is fiscally sponsored by the Sierra Art Foundation. <laughs>